talking about it and telling everybody it's okay to have issues and go seek help. But to also reach out and check on people and to ask if they're doing okay, because that's that's what the Reach.gov initiative is about. And I'm also the daughter of a veteran who, who was World War II who died by suicide. Um, and that's why I'm really passionate about it, because I've seen it in my own family. Um, my brother, who was in boot camp at the time my father died, um, took his life and died by suicide 13 years later at the age of 34 when I was 17, right as I was in middle college. And so... Welcome to Season 2 of the Medal of Honor podcast with your host, Tiffany Martzching. For this week's episode, Episode 5, we speak with Cheryl L. Mason who is the chairperson of the Department of Veterans Affairs Board of Veterans Appeals. As chairman, Ms. Mason leads a team of approximately 1,200 personnel including veterans law judges, attorneys, and operations and administrative professionals to meet the board's mission of conducting hearings and deciding appeals on benefits and services for veterans and their families. Ms. Mason is accountable for the efficient and effective management of board resources and executing a budget in excess of $190 million. The board is the secretary's designee to decide appeals arising from all three administrations, Veterans Benefits Administration, Veterans Health Administration, and National Cemetery Administration as well as the Office of the General Counsel. Ms. Mason is the first woman to hold the position of chairman. Prior to assuming her current role, Ms. Mason held several positions at the board including Deputy Vice Chairman, Veterans Law Judge, and Counsel. She also served as an attorney with the Federal Labor Relations Authority, a department of the Air Force civilian at HQ the United States Air Forces in Europe at Ramstein Air Base, Germany, and as an instructor at Central Texas College in Germany. Ms. Mason is the spouse of an Air Force veteran, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Air Force, retired, and is the daughter of a World War II Navy veteran who died by suicide. She advocates for changing the culture and increasing awareness surrounding mental health and suicide awareness slash prevention. Chairman Mason also is a key leader in the Military Spouse Employment Initiative, working to share best practices to encourage recruiting, hiring, and retention of military spouses to support military readiness as well as transitioning veterans. Originally from Portsmouth, Ohio, Ms. Mason received her B.A. with a distinction in political science and psychology from Ohio Northern University and her J.D. from Creighton University School of Law. Ms. Mason began her legal career in private practice in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome. Well, first I have to say that my father, who was World War II, died by suicide when I was four. And I was born to my parents later in life. I was uh, I was a surprise. And so my father was already struggling with his mental health at that point. And he had uh, late onset, uh, or adult onset schizophrenia um, that was um, extirpated by service. Having, you know, I guess for me, growing up in Southern Ohio, I was surrounded by veterans. I had veterans in my family, my uncles and and friends. Um, that was the community that I grew up in. And so I thought it was normal to go to the American Legion on Friday night with my mom um, and have a Shirley Temple at five years old, not alcoholic, of course. Um, and, you know, always have veterans around you because when my father died, 
that community was the one that encompassed us and, and really came alongside us. And my brother actually was at boot camp in the army, uh, when my father died. And, um, he was a couple weeks away from, from graduation. And so he was switched to reserve because of that situation. So, so I guess, you know, I didn't really grow up like a, a veteran or a service member or veteran's child, but I grew up in a, com- in a community where veterans were always around. I mean, American Legion, like I said, was a very big part of my growing up. Um, uh, you know, I was, I was in, you know, children groups, you know, groups that were veterans, veterans families were in. We, you know, we hung out with the, with veterans and their families. And so for me, that was normal. And so, it, you know, I didn't even, I knew when I became a certain age that I was getting veterans benefits from my father. And quite frankly, had I not received those benefits, I wouldn't be standing where I am today because they helped me go, go to college. But I didn't really understand. I just, you know, I just kind of lived it. And then when I got to college and met my future husband, who um, was an Air Force ROTC cadet, and we got married and then I became a military spouse, um, I learned a lot more really fast. Uh, and, and so, and then I, you know, I, I went to law school, graduated and started working at VA after a year of uh, private practice. And I learned a lot really fast, and I really came to see how vital, I mean, I knew how vital those benefits were to me, but I saw how vital they were to everybody else, and that was really what kind of led me to where I am today. One, I can't imagine what it's like to be a 40-year-old and probably even understanding what suicide is, um, or even death. As as right. a, I, I remember my, my, my grandmother passing away when I was six or seven. And I remember my dad explaining that she died and she was going somewhere. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, when is she coming back? Right. Because I, did, I didn't, I couldn't grasp. Because he, I mean, he even said, well, she's gone away. She's gone to heaven. And I was like, oh, where's that? Where's heaven? Oh, okay. So when is she coming back? I mean, you just, as, as a little kid, to understand what death is and then to understand beyond that, what suicide means and, and to grapple. When did you, when do you think you understood what that meant? Probably, I would say my, my mom was a government teacher. Um, and she, she had been, um, her, her dad had, had died when she was five in an accident and her mother died when she was 10. And so she was the baby and she kind of had to raise herself. And so she was pretty, um, you know, she just, she didn't hold anything back and she laid it, you know, she laid it on the, on the line as much as she could. And she always, you know, probably, probably gave me more information, um, than most five or six year olds had. So I would say probably by the time I was six, I probably had a pretty good understanding of it. But, you know, realistically, part of the reason I had an understanding of it is because my hometown was a was a small southern Ohio small town, and they didn't know what to do about somebody who died by suicide. And so, and the fact that you know we basically went on with life and did what we you know we weren't cowering in some corner, not you know not leaving the house. That just wasn't who my mom was, and that wasn't who she raised me to be. And so. Um, there was a lot of stigma around it. And so because you're around that, even though I had the veteran community kind of 
embracing embracing us you still had the stigma and you know like my mom was this, was the government teacher at the city school and so she was kind of well known and so um you know i because of that i i probably understood it much earlier than i probably would have in a in a, another situation um yeah sure i think i think that that can i i get that um i think that that stigma Brings about brings about more awareness than um, because there's that judgment yes. that, uh, that comes along with it. But what do well, you people, people are afraid. Um, mm-hmm. They don't understand it, and so mm-hmm. that's part of the reason that we still need to talk and reach out today. I mean, that's part of what the Prevents Initiative is about: is one talking about it and telling everybody it's okay to have issues and go seek help. But to also reach out and check on people and to ask if they're doing okay, because that's that's what the reach.gov initiative is about. Um, and that's why I'm really passionate about it, because I've seen it in my own family. Um, my brother, who was in boot camp at the time my father died, um, took his life and died by suicide 13 years later at the age of 34 when I was 17, right as I was leaving oh, college. And so... Um, you know, that was very hard. Um, it was a different situation than my father's, but similar enough. And we were reaching out and trying to help. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was hard. But then when another family member went through this later, um, because we had established the communication and because we had learned and we, we, uh, we talked about it was okay to not be okay and okay to get help and, tackle the challenges that you have, that family member um, is doing great. It's something that every family has to be aware of. When you're, what people don't realize is when you have one suicide in the family, you are at high risk for another. And so because I've had two in my family, my risk for suicide, even though I'm fine and functioning well, my risk for suicide is high. You have to know what that is. It's just like a heart disease risk and everything else. And so that's why it's important to talk about it. That's why it's important to reach out. And, you know, ask for help if you need it. Um, I actually self-admitted to the psych ward at the VA in Kentucky because I didn't want to die at all. But I was in such a low a lo- in such a low place that I had thought about overdosing on um, my mental health medication. And all I cared about was going to sleep and staying asleep until my problems disappeared and then wake up and that's just not a realistic thought process. Right. And so but you reached out and got help. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, and I shared that with, you know, again, that same veteran community that I was on a call with. And by virtue of me sharing that, it opened up a one-on-one dialogue with somebody else who was in a low spot. Mm-hmm. But a couple of people had said, wow, why are you so open with sharing that? And I said, because it, it is my reality. It's where I was. And it doesn't make me any less of a person because I was in a very low and dark place. And it actually a- makes you stronger and it helps other people to hear the stories. That's why it's important to share those um, experiences and journeys that we have because it can help someone else and you may not even be aware. And that's, you know, that is a great segue into what we do here at the board because, you know, I've been here for a while. Um, I started as an attorney and um, then, you know, in, in military spouse world, you get the opportunity to uh, <coughs> journey somewhere else. 
and do different things, which I did. Uh, we went to Germany and I taught courses and I worked for headquarters uh, in Europe for a while. And then we came back stateside and I um, worked for another federal agency. And part of what brought me back was my tie to what VA had done for me, but also those veteran stories. Because what I see and what we see here at the board in every veteran's file that we look at, each veteran is a unique individual and they bring their perspective and their story to their appeal. That's exactly how we adjudicate. That's how we decide cases. We look at those, those each individual veteran's stories and perspectives and evidence that goes around that and supports that story and apply the law to that. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about here at the board a lot is, um, you know, we're primarily legal, got about a thousand attorneys-ish, and about 200 operations administrative staff. And, you know, we are really tied and committed to helping those veterans get the benefits that they earn, but it's really unique to hear the different stories. When I first started working here, we had, I remember one of the first cases I had um, was a Civil War widow. And this was 1990, <laughs> okay, 1990, 1991. But she had married the the Civil War veteran when, when he was like, she was 14. And it was just amazing to, to hear that story and, and read the, the claims file. Um, on, on her, you know, on her story. And, you know, we, you know, I've seen, can't tell you of the thousands of appeals that I've done personally as a judge, you know, or as an attorney. All those stories are, are just, um, are, are part of the history of this country. That's who, that's who made this country what it is. And for me, that's, and for my staff, that's really what we are committed to help helping those who helped us and keeping our promise to, uh, doing our part to keep America's promise to our veterans. And that's what our Are you part of the MSJD network? I am. I'm a proud member. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was quick. Um, I used Veterati as far as, you know, to get some mentorship. And the person that in, that was, I, I was really connected with, and now she and I maintain connection. Mm-hmm. It's a very strong, strong network. Um, I actually found out about it through one of my attorneys here, um, who's currently um, detailed to the White House. <laughs> um, and she told me about it, and I was like, "Oh, I have to, you know, absolutely." And then shortly after that, I joined uh, the board, joined Military Spouse uh, Employment Partnership through the Military One Source, and then I brought the rest of VA along with me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty passionate about military spouse employment. Um, you know, we have got to make sure that our military spouses are um, supported and, and can have a career if that's their choice, because it's going to support service member readiness. And also, I think it's going to support those service members as they transition into retirement, because it gives them a little bit more flexibility. You know, having gone through that, I, I, I tell people we're 13 years into um uh, transition <laughs> you know uh and it's it is a transition and it, it it continues um you know my husband retired and he's had six jobs and that's not um abnormal for our veterans and in his situation because he's in the consulting business in, in the defense world it's it's a little weird but um you know it's normal for them to try to find where they want to fit and find their family and as life changes and kids grow and you know, there's just, it's, it's a constant transition, but the military and the veteran piece 
stays that that peace when you serve for that period of time is central and integral to how you think about what you want to do next. And so having a spouse who's who's has permanent employment who can be there and kind of give the veteran a little bit of space and figure out what they want to do, I think is extremely important. And I think that's extremely important for the entire mental health. I'm glad you said that because one of the, one of, well, if not, not one of the biggest things, but like the biggest thing that I've noticed when I'm talking to people who are married is their spouses and the difficulty in finding employment. And that's why we're working on that. That's exactly an area. I mean, MSJDM has been a leader in that area in licensing, but the rest of, you know, Patty Barron is over at Military Readiness now, and I'm thrilled. Um, you know, she really gets um, what we need to do in this community, and, and there's several of us that are kind of working behind the scenes on trying to get this licensing thing under control. I know um, that Mrs. Biden, uh, First Lady Biden, is really committed to it as part of the joint forces um, movement for for not only spouses, but also veterans and military members for all those things we're talking about. So um, I'm really excited to see some movement in that area. Can you talk more about this suicide program that you are working on and what 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 y'all are doing um, and what's coming up with it? Sure. So, um, you know, Prevents and the, and the VA are kind of working on this together. Um, you know, the Veterans Health Administration has a very strong Veterans Crisis Line as well as the Be There initiative that kind of partners with the REACH initiative under Prevents. And so what we're working on now, I think, is kind of bringing those a little closer together. And one of the areas we're, we're looking at is, one, you know, first and foremost, talking talking, 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 sharing our stories, reaching out, communicating, letting everybody know that it's okay to not be okay because it's hard. And, you know, everybody experiences stress at different times and and we all go through different challenges. And, you know, sometimes we have to talk to somebody or we have to talk to our friends or, or just reach out and check in with people. Um, and the other thing we're doing is we're trying to grow the partnership um, across the country into the communities because VA can't do it and prevents, can't do it by ourselves. This has to be a partnership in the smaller communities everywhere, everybody, all the time um, because that's the only way we're going to reach people. Um, you know. And so really reaching out, getting the word out, engaging with smaller communities and, and kind of raising that up to the higher level so we're all as one. That's really what we're working on. Um, I don't know, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure there's some things in the bag right now. Um, I, you know, with the, with the transition, I've been a little um, focused on my chairman's job <laughs> um, and trying, you know, trying to get uh, some things operational and continue operations here with the new secretary, mm -hmm. making sure um, he's comfortable and the new, new team is comfortable uh, with where the board's going and how we're operating. Uh, that's my primary job. Um, and so, but the, but the prevents and reach is very close to my heart and making sure, and I really see that as part of my job, even as the chairman, because I see too many cases, um, you know, where we have veterans at, at risk for suicide in the appeal situation and, and we, we move those cases to higher status to take care of them. So if there was anything that you could 
um, share with people who are listening to the episode, um, whether it's whether it's suicide related or spouse employment related or just veterans within the appeals process, what what nut, golden nuggets would you share about those topics? Okay, well, let me start with the veterans' appeals process because that's my <laughs> primary world. Um, you know, the board the board has really uh, turned some things around, and you know, we've been hitting records on the number of decisions we're we're issuing every year, and we are really committed to making that difference. The one thing that COVID, um, although we stayed fully operational and have continued to do during COVID, um, hearings took a hit. Um, because we couldn't get out and do the in-person hearings like we previously did. We were lucky because I had already started the initiative to move us to virtual telehearings. So in the appeals world, the nugget I will tell you is if you have a hearing, if you have requested a hearing, not every veteran has, but if you have, please, please, please consider virtual telehearings. You can literally do it on your phone, just like Tiffany's doing in this interview today um, for part of the interview. You can do it on your computer. Um, we bring you into the system if you're you know, not technology savvy, your friends, family members, caregivers can help you. Um, we really want to get your hearing helped so that we can move your case, your appeal forward to get to decision. So that's my nugget for that one. Um, and always, always, always work with your representative because they really know their stuff. Um, so in, in military spouse world, network. Network is the key. Um, I just, uh, we just started a new program with, um, the MSCCN, the KC MSCCN network, and we're um, we're talking about you know uh, women's returning women returning to the workforce because we lost um, a lot of women from the work workforce, and that's mm -hmm. not acceptable um, because we do bring a different perspective about how we approach things and how we do things, and so network and uh, reach out, use all of your networks, look for your opportunities. There's plenty of opportunities out on LinkedIn. There are so many military spouse opportunities out there, whether it's virtual or, or just, you know, helping with resumes, helping with interviews, use that network. And then um, for, for suicide prevention and awareness, you know, reach out, check on people, ask how they're doing. Don't be afraid to say, are you doing okay? Um, are, are, you know, if you, if you have concerns about somebody, because here's what I'm here to tell you. If you reach out and ask somebody how they're doing and say, are you really doing okay? Just not like, not like how are you today? How are you doing today? How, you know, how, how are things? How are you feeling? It, it tells you we're invested in them and you care about them. And that's going to go a long way because people who feel like other people are invested and care about them are, le are you know, think about things. And, and, you know, we all have, you know, situations in our life that can be stressful and hard and understanding that you know there's a place to go to talk to people use the veterans crisis line you know use there's a variety of different opportunities um, to get help um, and and you know look for those because people are listening and we want to help and we want to hear you and we want to make a difference and I'm here to tell you having having lost two people in my family to suicide and then having a couple of people who have struggled with it but gotten through it um, because they reached out and, and got help. So do it. And But those of us who are here and understand those struggles need to reach out and tell our stories. So those are my notes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I have recently been a little bit more vocal about um, is that 22 push-ups a day for 22 days. And, you know, I think, I think it's initial intent was great in that uh, it to bring awareness um, about suicide. But for me, awareness is not enough. Um, So my, I mean, so, I mean, because I think about that time that I shared with you earlier in March of 2019, when I, when I self-admitted to the psych ward, if somebody approached me at that point in time and said, oh, I support you, I'm doing those 22 push-ups a day, I, I would have probably laughed at him and said, how is that helping me? You doing 22 push-ups. And so there's got to be more of a challenge of how about in a month contact 22 people to, like you mentioned, genuinely checking on them and saying, I care. I want to know how you're doing. I think, you know, I think the 22 push-ups initiative is important because it's showing support for people. And there is, there are people who are, are, just aren't comfortable reaching out and checking in with people. Um, but I think if you go to reach.gov, um, it's www.reach.gov, um, there's a lot of tips on there that can tell you how to reach out, how to have those conversations. I mean, I know here at the board, when I became chairman, one of my first initiatives was to really train my judges um, for hearings to ask those questions because the judges were afraid to ask the veteran um, are, you know, are, have you thought about hurting yourself? Um, you know, and you have to ask that question in some of our cases, not every case, but some of our cases, you have to ask that question and understanding it's okay to ask the question and it's important to ask the question. And, you know, when you see some things change, I mean, you know, let's face it, teenagers and young adults are high risk. Um, the world is challenging for them. There's a lot of stress. COVID has put even more stress on them. And so, you know, I unfortunately, I live in a community here in Virginia where, you know, a few years ago, we lost um, six teenagers at, at the high school my children attended. And that was extremely hard for the community. Um, they, they all died by suicide. And it was very, very difficult. Um, and that's one of the things we talked about was reaching out and paying attention to our kids, paying attention if something changes, if something's not quite right. And, you know, teenagers are teenagers. Um, they go through, you know, moody periods and, and, but, you know, just kind of engaging and but everybody, we have to do that with everybody, especially right now, because we're just, we're getting kind of getting back to seeing everybody, but not really quite yet because yeah. we have to keep people safe. And so, you know, using different opportunities to reach out and connect with people and check on people, um, you know, and I try to do that here at work. You know, when you have 1,200 people, it's kind of, it's, it's a challenge, but I do yeah. try to reach out to the different groups and check on them. Um, you know, I have, you know, I have a couple of friends and family members that I ping regularly, so. So there we are. Well, I appreciate your time. I really do. Sure. Um, Thank you. I mean, you bring you. I think you bring a lot to the table um, of being um, the daughter of a service member or a daughter of a veteran, married to a veteran, got a you know family family on every side of the house associated with the military. Um, so I think that I think because of that, it, you're you're able to bring a lot to the table. I think and. 
Um, you know, while I don't have any military in my family, my family is full of lawyers and politicians. So I know how you guys operate. <laughs> I wouldn't put myself in the politician category, but I definitely put myself in the lawyer category. <laughs> yeah, I was when I asked you that question, and, and I'm. I mean, I'm not recording. Well, I think it says it's recording. It's fine. So I'm good. Whichever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, um, when I asked you earlier about, you know, it being black and white with the law and the emotional part, I almost wanted to be like, look, what do you do to find those loopholes? <laughs> because it seems like that's what attorneys do best. You have very good, at, you have very good representatives and then we are good at finding the loopholes because, you know, one of the things, the board's job, we were commissioned almost 88 years ago by FDR to really be here for the veterans and try to get veterans to yes. That's really the bottom line. And we do that to the best of our ability. We can't do it all the time. And sometimes yeah. we have to go back and get more information because we don't have all the information we need or because case law makes us. Um, but, you know, we are really trying to do that. And, you know, I think that, you know, our grant rate is is about, you know, between 30 and 40 percent, depending on what day it is. Um, not fantastic. But, you know, given that you're coming to the board and, you know, we're looking at everything and then you still have choices beyond us. I mean, and, you know, one of the things I love about my job is that I do get to make a difference in a veteran's life every day. Like my people. Yes. And that's amazing. That's why I love you so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. So well, I'm gonna so um I normally would tell people that well your episode is gonna be out there in like August or September, but because I that, I mean that's how far out I've got people. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But I but I think with this month being um uh, uh the military child mm -hmm. um I, I don't know. Maybe and I don't know. I'll, I'll see what I can do to fit it into like the most appropriate awareness month. I try to do that. It's fine. I appreciate it. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate you get you having me on. That's wonderful. Happy to come back and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Whenever you want to talk about it, let me know. Um, and next recording. <laughs> Life as an attorney. Okay. Life, life as a as a woman attorney. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, as a matter of fact, you know what? The the I have one episode I haven't published yet. Um with uh they're both of them are spouses, both of them are attorney attorneys, and they met through that um MSDN. Yes. Yeah, I probably know who it is, but I'll. I'll well, well, no, they're both. The both of them are in your area too. Uh, Kate. Kate. What is Kate's last name? Hudson. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Kate Hudson was one of them, and then the other one was uh, Amy Apostle. Okay. Or, yeah. 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 Yep. So yeah, they they knew each other, um, and you know I, who. Yeah, I think I spoke with Amy first, and and Amy said, "Well, hey, why don't uh, why don't a friend of mine, Kate, and I both come on?" Yeah, and so I and that ended up being a good episode because with Kate having being the spouse of an active duty army officer, and then mm -hmm. Amy being the spouse of a um, Navy Reserve officer, I think that you know brought two different perspectives and and to see some similarities and some differences. So 
I thought that was good. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing military spouse rock stars out there. Um, I, I'm lucky to know many of them. And then, then there's the whole group of uh, a, a lot of other women who we have either who are veterans who are rock stars. I mean, we've just got a, there's a huge group of women who are really coming together and, and trying to impact and make a difference across a couple of different areas. And, you know, because we're women, we're going to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. I know you've got probably like so much stuff to do um, besides talk to me because I can run my mouth forever just in case. Well, you I love know. to talk to you. So it's great. <laughs> so thank you so much. Just just let us know when you're running it. I look forward to it. And, um, you know, if, if you get any questions about board appeals or, or anything from people, um, just shoot them over to Marty. He'll take care of them for you. Um, you know, that's kind of what his job is. Um, you know, I also have Jill who also does uh, my, my engagement and communications. So, um, you know, we, we try to take care of our veterans as, as much as we can. I mean, we, you know, we've got about 100,000 cases in the door right now, about not a little bit over than that, probably about 180,000. But we're going to get them done. We're going to get them done. Oh my gosh. Like that number is overwhelming. It is. But you know, we've got both we've got both the legacy cases, which are the old system. We've got about hundred and fifteen thousand of those and we've got about eighty thousand of the new system in AMA. And so we're working both systems and it's a lot, but you know, the board has really moved forward in the past three years, um, with, you know, hiring the right people, streamlining our operations, we're trying to bring some technology on board. Um, putting people where they need to be to serve veterans is, is the focus. And so, you know, it's we're always going to have a lot of work, um, but we're always committed to doing a lot of work. And so uh, finding the right balance in there is important. Yeah, I just, I hear that number and, and I see it now, like I'm just thinking, I see the frustration on both sides. Like I see the veteran that just says, I'm just... I want my case done, and you know, and, Me too. And, and I like, yeah, I mean, I can I can see the veterans' perspective because I am one of them, but I can see the veterans' perspective of, oh my gosh, I just want my case answered. That's all I want. And why is it taking so long? And then I see your frustration of one hundred eighty thousand cases. What? Like, how do you do that? So it's, you know, oh. It's, you know, it's, um, you know, but every one of those 180,000 cases is a veteran who's waiting yes. for a decision. And we know that. And yes. so that's how we break it down. You know, when I started as chairman, we had over um, 500,000 legacy appeals in the system, like in wow. the VA. And today, as I'm standing here talking to you, we have less than 150,000, um, which is amazing. Um, you know, and the new system is easier. You do have choices like you were talking about, you know, if, if you don't like the claims decision, you can go back to BBA because they're faster and they can look at it again. And then if you really don't agree with them, then you can come to the board. Um, and we will be a little longer because that's just how we are, um, because the way we work and because um, we do have a few cases. But, um, you know, we're not as big as VBA. We're only 1,200 people and there are about 25,000 people. But, oh, you know, wow. um, but we are committed. I mean, we want to bring those legacy numbers down and get those cases done and out the door because those veterans have waited way too long and we need to get them done. Um, and, yeah. you know, it, and the problem is 
the longer the legacy take cases to take to get done, then I have AMA cases that are waiting too, because it's the legacy, we we made a promise to the legacy that we would prioritize them. And so I have to make yeah. that promise because we're losing them. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> one day at a time, uh, yes. one cases at a time. But like I said, you know, we've done um, 50,000 cases so far this year since October. Um, so we're on, on a good trajectory to, to hit a good number again by the end of the year. Uh, last year we did 102,000 even with COVID. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're getting it done, um, you know, the best we can. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate thank your time. You. It's great to talk to you. Please let me know if you want to talk again. Okay. All right. I want to talk again. How about this same time tomorrow? <laughs> well, tomorrow's a little busy, but maybe in about a, a week or two. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tiffany. You take care. And thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Have a nice day.